Hello, everyone. It is the Vinnegan Podcast at the Northeast Georgia History Center. I am Glenn, and today uh, we have a very, very special guest with us. And we are acquiring a remarkable collection of locally taken photographs from a local photographer. And this gentleman, Mr. Bill Riley, has been collecting some of the negatives, some of the equipment from the studios of NC White. So, Mr. Riley, thank you for joining us so much today. Well, thank you for having me. It's quite an honor, and it's a very impressive museum you have here. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's, it's going to be even more impressive when we get those pictures up. So, <laughs> Bill, tell us a little bit about how you came upon this collection, and you've done so much research now on, on NC White. Just kind of take us through the story, and I may interject some questions here and there. I am what I call myself as a photographic historian, and I've been doing this for well, since the mid-1970s, so it's been quite a while. I'm interested in artifacts, uh, cameras, darkroom equipment, and, and the technology behind the photographs and the methods they use to collect the photographs. Uh, I'm continuously looking for things that are of historical nature, and that's how I found this collection uh, about 20 years ago. I've had the collection for about just a little under 20 years. Um, I, I spoke with an a antique dealer in Richmond, Indiana, um, they said they had a camera and some other stuff with the collection. And I said, well, I'm interested in it. And, and we negotiated a deal. So I, I wanted to get that camera. I was busy at the time. I couldn't go pick it up. I bought this thing. Uh, keep in mind, I bought this thing sight unseen. I, did, I didn't know what it was. I did see a picture of the camera. So I sent my wife up to pick them up. She had a little station wagon. Came back that night full. The station wagon was absolutely full. And she goes, Bill, I've got to go up tomorrow and get the rest of it. <laughs> they literally showed her a pile of stuff and said, this is all his. In that collection was all of these negatives. And, and after going through all of the negatives, I, I'm convinced it's the lifetime accumulation of NC White Studios. And it's been a terrific collection to, to go through. I've been able to identify the technology as it progressed through the years. And this was a very interesting period of photography where they uh, migrated from glass plate negatives all the way through what we know of, uh, or well, what we didn't know of, as safety film. And so I could see how he progressed, how he used the technology, how he migrated, and, and, and how he developed his own business through it. As a side note to that, I didn't expect to, to learn a lot about photography in general. NC, or Nathan Carroll White, he was a fabulous photographer, obviously so, because he stayed in business through Depression era and everything. The quality of his images are art-forming. They truly are. And that's just not my opinion. That's other people's opinion. There's been many people that have actually enhanced his original art and created their own art. So that's about the story of how I got his collection. Right. So, and, you know, this is something here at the Northeast Georgia History Center. We do, you know, focus uh, on site with a lot of the history of, of the area, Gainesville, Hall County, and Northeast Georgia. And we knew about the different photography studios that were in the area. There's Ramsey, and then, of course, there's White. So take us just, just, a, just a little bit of an in a nutshell. Tell us about 
the history of White and his studio. You, you've sort of touched on that, but when he started, uh, when his son came in, when they began, at what time period they began to make that transition in technologies? Sure. Um, there, were, there were actually two Whites. There was Nathan Carroll White Sr. and Nathan Carroll White Jr. Nathan White uh, Sr. moved to the area about the, uh, let's see, about, I think, the late 1880s. And uh, he started a photography business. He was a little interested in photography before he uh, came to the area, but he started a, f- a photo studio here. And he called it Nathan, or it's NC White Studios. His son was born in 1870. Uh, so he was a teenager when uh, Senior was uh, starting the studio, and obviously he, he got pulled into the business, the family business. And Senior brought Junior into the business uh, just before the turn of the century. And um, Junior really took uh, hit, the, hit the ground running. I mean, he, he was fabulous. He, he was very prolific, shot lots of pictures, a lot of studio. They specialized in studio photography. And Nathan Jr. joining the business, they called it N.C. White Studios and Son. And that name stayed until not long after uh, Senior passed away in 1913. And then uh, Junior renamed it to uh, just N.C. White Studios. So you're talking about portraiture, you know, and it's, it's a, he's a studio photographer. Within the time period we're talking about, and you're a photographic historian. This this is probably a fundamental question for you. But for our listeners who may not quite understand this in the day and age when we can just take our phone and push a button and suddenly we have an electronic image, how is it important to individuals and to a community to have a photographic studio that they could go to? What, what was the point? Why were they so popular? It, it's not well known that the uh, photographers provided more than just a pictorial or a, uh, a living room portrait of, of grandma's uh, service. They uh, performed uh, documentation services. For one thing, we didn't have Xerox machines back then, or they didn't have Xerox machines back then. Uh, so copies of documents were made by photographers. Uh, copies of old pictures that were degrading, uh, family pictures, uh, historical events were done by photographers. So the photographers became a, a pretty important part of the community. Also, uh, during times of war, and you'll see that a lot in N.C. In, in White's uh, photography, these may have been some of the last pictures uh, of, of men going to war that were you know, ever taken. So uh, their, their family remembrances. You'll see a lot of pictures of, of a soldier uh, dressed in, uh, in his uniform standing next to his wife, his mother, or with his family. So they were, they were pretty well, um, you know, they, they were an important part of the community. No, I think, I think that's important for us to remember. Uh, you know, we're, we're so saturated with photography now, at least digital images perhaps is what I should say, not necessarily photography, that we forget how important and special having that handmade through a hand chemical process picture of a loved one or a friend was sitting on a dresser or on a table. It was this very, very physical and visceral connection that I think we, again, we just, we've, I think we've lost that today. Well, the key word there that you said was connection. Uh, that was it. I mean, there were there were no other connections. There were no audio recordings, uh, uh, such. Uh, th- that was it, and uh, that's why photography was such an important part of uh, human history, rather let alone American history. So, as a as a photographic historian, 
uh, which I am not, folks, by the way, but I'm, I'm glad to have one here with me today. Tell us a little bit, if you have any training, if this is something that is a association that you can be a part of? Is it a loose confederation of like-minded folks? Is it a little bit of everything? That That's a great question. Um, I don't know if you can go to photographic historian school or take a class in that. You can take it in, uh, you know, classes in uh, Master of Fine Arts to understand the photography. You can take uh, classes in, in history or historian classes and those sorts of things. But appreciating a specific niche of history. It has to be part of your your own DNA. I didn't appreciate photographs as much as I do now when I first started. I was, I'm, I'm an engineer by background. And um, so I, I just, I was drawn into the technology and uh, the cameras, the chemistry, the, you know, all of those sorts of things. Uh, uh, camera, camera technology is phenomenal, especially in the 1800s and 1900s, how they mass produced such intricate machines, um, it's it just mind-boggling. But then I grew into the photography of it and learning to appreciate how to capture a child sitting in a foreign environment in the dark with some bright lights um, bl- glaring at them, how to capture the, the child's image. And, and, and it means something. You know, it's not, not just a picture of a kid crying and it's funny. It's, it's really getting a piece of the kid you know, getting some of their character out. Nathan was a master at that. He, uh, especially Junior, he, he was, the, the, the children's pictures are phenomenal. And uh, especially the ones that I've seen that have been restored, you see so much character in the person. So you, I mean, you've looked at hundreds of N.C. Watts photographs on his, his negatives, maybe thousands, thousands. You must have just a few photographs, therefore, that have stuck out in your head. Uh, can I, I know this is a, an audio medium rather than a, a visual, but could you just tell me about the two or three that seem to have really made an impact on you as a collector, as a historian? There are a couple of, of, of uh, what I would call character images, um, and, and I've actually tried to transgress to images, not just pictures, because these truly are images. Um, you know, it, it, in my mind, there are only two types of images, one that documents something, and the other type is something that causes an emotion or strikes an emotion upon the viewer. There, there's one of a, of a, that I, I recall of a, of a sailor uh, standing next to his mother. And I think it was probably World War I era. Uh, I can't date it for sure that one. But you could see the sailor standing there, and he's, this is all new to him. He's going on an adventure for life. But somehow I saw the pain in the mother's eyes and the face. And that just, um, I mean, that, I, I don't know if that was in it, how Nathan intend, intended to capture that, but you could just see the pain in her face. And you knew that she knew her son might not ever come back, and this was the last image she was ever going to have of him. There's some children fo- photos that uh, the kids are just, um, <laughs> they, they, they'll just bring, they'll pull your heart out of your chest. They'll, uh, they're so cute. They're smiling, their eyes glistening. Details in their eyes are phenomenal. There's a, um, um, a lady, one of, one of the ladies that has collected these, as I said, I tried to market these because I really wanted the images to get out into the, uh, into the wild and for people to appreciate these. One lady, uh, actually here in Georgia, in Savannah, Georgia, she colorizes these. 
photos. She restores the image. She doesn't restore the, the negative, but she restores the image. She's a master at it. Combining her colorization with Nathan's original photo, uh, you wouldn't know that this photo was over 100 years old. The people, um, in fact, she's got a picture uh, on, she made into wallpaper that it looks like there's people in the room. The quality of these images that are over 100 years old when brought to life through colorization and bring it in into today's environment is outstanding. And, it, and, and there, are, there are some pictures that are just, um, the kids especially, they, they just, they, they, you know, they'll, they'll pull your heart out. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you know, you, speaking of colorization, of course, uh, he, the, for the course of the history of NC White Studios, it was, it was black and white. Am, am I correct in that? That's correct. Yeah. Uh, and so, so many of our, again, in the modern world, there's a transition, I think, socially and culturally that if we see a black and white photo, that that equals long ago, right? And that's you know that's why some photographers, from an artistic perspective, still shoot in black and white to give it this ethereal, timeless appearance. These images, and and so bringing things into color seems to make it more relevant to a modern audience. They they connect with it, but they let me rephrase that they identify with it better if it if it's color if it's color. And in connecting with it, they start putting them, you know, they're drawing that emotion out of the picture. That's the other way that, you know, that's the other type of image I, I was talking about. When you get that emotional connection, rather than just a documented connection, uh, you become part of the, the whole environment then. And so that image is part of you. Well, this, it, you know, in talking with you and with, with, our, with our own dear Leslie, who's been working with you uh, with this collection, it's very obvious that you have a very strong connection to the collection, to the images, uh, to White himself, and, and the two of them, I guess, that, to themselves. And as much as you've said, you have other collections, right? You, you look at other photographers as well. I do. Yeah, tell, tell us just a little bit about, the, I guess, the breadth of your, of your own personal collection and experience. I've collected, uh, if, like I said, at first I was just accumulating glass plates and negatives with the cameras that I was buying, and then I started getting interested in the technology behind it, whether they're glass plates, how they were developed, and that sort of thing. But I've collected uh, negatives uh, from uh, Nebraska, and when I get a a bunch of them, they'll, they'll, they'll be grouped together in maybe just a box of, of glass, and I'll start dissecting it, and I'll see little clues in each image as to where they're from, and then I'll start uh, developing a, a dossier on them, and I'll say, well, this one's from uh, Nebraska, it's, it's, it's uh, you know, it was shot in, the, in a rural setting, and then I might narrow into a town. Um, Portland, Maine is, is another group of connection of, of images I, I've accumulated. Um, there was a little town in, in Massachusetts, and I'm sorry, I can't remember the name, but um, it, it turned out it was just a crossroads. And um, so, but, but I was able to kind of put myself in the, in the place of the photographer and say, now, why did I take this picture? Or what was I doing? Or what is this? And sometimes they're high quality, sometimes they're just snapshots, but they're historical, and then you can kind of do the detective thing and build a picture of, of, of what the photographer was thinking. Well, your your point of, of you know the photographer as artist and creator, uh, and you know folks like the the whites being someone who can within a studio capture an image. That's not something that that's just point and click, right? That's a that's a 
that's a skill. That's a talent. That's you know something that can be learned or something that is innate. That's a, probably another question. But here's a philosophical question for you as a photographic historian. Kodak, making cameras available to everyone so that any Yahoo on the street can go out and take pictures of things. The, the democratization of photography. Did it make photography better or did it ruin it? I've never been asked that question, but my gut response would be that um, it made the it made it, and here's why. Um, uh, like I said, my background is engineering, is technology. I firmly believe that even though technology is developed, it may seem like it it may be detrimental at the time, or it may not be worth something. Sometime in the future, it, it becomes relevant. It becomes important and it enables something else to happen. And I'm convinced that um, because Eastman and other companies like it, Eastman in particular in the U.S., the development of the technology and they being able to accumulate enough wealth to develop technology that only the professionals would use, uh, cinematography would use, or, or chemistries that are um, in film that only special applications needed, that greatly enhanced photography overall. So the professionals definitely were enabled to um, uh, progress their own art because the technology that Eastman was able to fund uh, through their commercialization. Having said all that, I can't help but, but remember a commercial I saw of, uh, I, I'm a, I have a big large view, uh, view camera, you know, where you throw the cloth over your head and all that sort of thing. Uh, I saw a commercial, where the, a commercial where a photographer was doing that, out, taking a landscape picture, and he was spending maybe 20 minutes doing this. You know, you could tell he'd been there all day setting this one picture up. Kid speeds up behind him on a motorcycle, jumps out and takes a picture with his iPhone and speeds off. And the guy just stands there. <laughs> and I know that he's wondering, you know, will my picture be as good as his? <laughs> I, I don't know. You know, uh, you know philosophically, um, it's an art. Art is personal, very personal. And um, uh, it, it pulls you into the emotional side of, of imagery uh, rather than the documentation side. There I had that one commercial showed the, uh, the, the emotional side and the documentation side at the same time. Right. No, that's 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 a really good point. And you know, as as a historian, I'm not sure yet where I fall or where society's gonna fall on the digitization of things, right? We we have the internet now and we can have access to all these different documents and things and, and these photographs. You know, you've you you've been kind enough to share with us some digitized images of some of the glass plate negatives uh that that, that you have. And yet, as a historian, knowing how we research, I have a fear that starting about late not the late nineteen eighties and early nineteen nineties, writ the written interaction between people through letters that the historians have relied upon for millennia now is gone. There's no physical record of that interaction. We have taken so many pictures with our with our phones and with our digital cameras. There's no physical I mean, some people print off those pictures, but most don't. They just save them on a hard drive or two or on a website. I just wonder in the future what's going to happen if there's suddenly going to become a second dark age that historians simply don't have enough information to, to process the period. If, you know, knock on wood, I don't want this to happen, the grid goes down. Uh, so what, I mean, would you say that that is why maintaining these collections of, of nitrates and glass plate negatives is so important. 
I, I think it is important. Um, uh, it, it doesn't need to be ubiquitous. I mean, but you need to have some artifact from the past so you can you can feel it, you can see it, you can smell it. There's a, you know, some things have distinct odors. You can't get into that environment over a digital entry into a database. You can describe it. That's the best you can do. Maybe someday, you know, beyond our time, they might be able to do that. Smell-o-vision has always been the joke, right? <laughs> um, maybe that'll be that way someday. But right now, uh, the best way to do that is by archiving them, conserving them, um, and, and, you know, in great museums like yours, uh, where you do, you know, you've got a, a clear uh, mission to, to conserve history. And uh, um, by having this available, where people can come and experience, touch and feel some of it, you don't have to keep all of it, you know, digitize a lot of it, so you make it accessible to the, to the mass market. I mean, having it available to the masses so they can sample it, and then for the ones who really want to touch and feel and smell it, uh, they can come here and experience it. Right. No, that that's great. That that was going to be my next question. Actually, is you know, put to put the history center on the spot and let you tell us what what you hope happens with this collection. When I when I first started started talking to the museum, I I found this collection in an in an awful state. It had been it literally it was a pile of stuff. And I'm quite convinced another year we would have never seen any of it, even if that long. Uh, so I got it. I didn't restore it. I conserved it. And, and all I did was just make sure it didn't degrade any further because it was in terrible shape. Uh, so my biggest fear was that it was going to end up into the same state beyond me. And I didn't want that to happen. So I started looking through marketing some of the images, uh, particularly N.C. White's images. I started looking for you know, people who were interested in it. And there are several people in the United States, in fact, internationally, there are several people who, who have some of his uh, works, have seen some of his works, and appreciate it, and they're enhancing it. Like I said, uh, there's, a, there's a, a lady in um, Savannah, Georgia. She has a business, Memory Lane Photos, I think is she calls it, and where she restores her uh, uh, images, and she has colorized these, so she has a great appreciation for his art. Uh, there, there's a, a couple of fellows in California that have great appreciations for his art. It's what we do. We, I mean, that's in our mission to preserve and share the history, and that's that's the goal of having this collection here. And I, I can see, I know for myself, I would love to see the images that NC White created get this remarkable worldwide recognition to spread even further. Because as you say, they're they're. It's remarkable to look at these. Maybe it's it's my untrained eye. Maybe it's the fact that they are in that mysterious black and white. But it seems like every one of them has something about them, whether it's the posture of the subject, whether it's the look in their eyes, whether it's it's just the, the, the composition of the photograph. Every one is an art piece, every single one of them. It is definitely an art. Uh, uh, his, his, like I said, I, I underestimated. I just thought it was another you know, um, small town photographer, but he truly was an artist and, and people are building on his art and creating new art. I mean, how great is that? Until he's discovered, you know, N.C. White was just another business owner in the records, you know, record books. Almost lost. Almost lost. But thanks to folks like, like Bill Riley, we've, we've got not just a memory of him, but a, but a glorious future of making sure that, that his artwork and his story is shared with the world.
Well, Bill, I think that's all we're going to have time for today. I really appreciate you uh, coming down all the way uh, to, to bring this uh, the, the first part, I hope, of this collection to us uh, and, and help us out, and we get to put a name with a face, and we look so forward to working with you in the future, and hopefully next time you come down, we can get you on this again and, and get an update. That'd be, I'd be thrilled to do that. Yeah. This has been a lot of fun, and, and I appreciate uh, you just jumping right into this and dedicating so much effort and so many so much of your resources to this collection i think it's important thank you that's 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 why we're here that's what we need we need folks like you to make it happen uh and folks like you listeners who are always tuning in to then again so we hope you continue to tune in follow us on facebook check out our website for all the things coming up and until we talk with you again next time all of you stay safe and take care then Again is a production of the Cottrell Digital Studio at the Northeast Georgia History Center. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. It really helps other people discover the show. We also hope you'll join us for our free weekly live stream programs on Facebook Live and YouTube Live every week at 2 p.m. Eastern. Just search for the Northeast Georgia History Center and we'll pop right up. There are a few great ways to support the History Center. Make a donation online by clicking the donate button on our website at www.negahc.org. Become a digital member to receive exclusive invites to members-only live streams every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern. Our next members live stream is a virtual tour of the 18th century White Path Cabin here at the History Center. Digital memberships are as low as $3 a month or $35 a year, and you can register on our membership page at www.negahc.org. We also have an online gift shop with lots of great items for all ages. Again, at www.negahc.org. We'll see you next week for another episode of Then Again. Thanks, y'all.